Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. This is a kind of quick and dirty, but very good, if I do say so myself, episode of the show. Want to do some kind of breaking news interviews with people, including Jews. Oh, I didn't even plan that. About the Jews. And uh, it's a schmooze. And about some smears and some schmears. Yes, I talked to Katie Unger from the Jewish Vote about MailerGate, the mailer that was sent out by the New York State Dems slash by Andrew Cuomo, which framed Cynthia Nixon as a an anti-Semite and someone who assaults on anti-Semitism, which was pretty despicable, so despicable, even people who aren't fans of Cynthia Nixon objected. And Katie also goes through the different candidates who the Jewish vote, the organization she's a member of, is endorsing. Then I speak to Sam Adler-Bell and Georgia Cromry about an article that they wrote for Gothamist about Senator Delon, who is the opponent that Julia Salazar, friend of the show and I guess that I spoke to last week, is opposing. Finally, some media is paying attention to what this guy's doing and how bought he is by the real estate industry. One of the interviews I did was on live radio and enjoy. I'm really excited to be speaking to Katie Unger, who is a fourth generation radical New York Jewish organizer and strategist and a founding steering committee member of the Jewish Vote. Welcome, Katie. Hi. Uh, full disclosure, Katie and I know each other from the summer camp, Camp Kinderland. So got to get that uh, out of the way, just so I don't get in trouble for conflict of interest. Tell us, please, about the Jewish Vote. What is it? So... We started the Jewish vote earlier this summer as a way to harness the energy of the Jewish resistance and start using a whole nother set of tools that we know that there's an enormous amount of organizing going on among New York progressive and radical New York Jews. And uh, but we've really sat on the sidelines around electoral politics as Jews and let that area be taken over by some really right wing uh right-wing folks. And so earlier this summer, we decided that it was time for us to step into this field. We started the Jewish vote uh, and we've been bringing together and sort of corralling the power of New York's Jewish resistance to be really involved in tomorrow's Democratic primary. So schlepping, not just kvetching, if you will. Exactly. We are all about schlepping the vote. Right. And from for my non-Yiddish proficient brothers and sisters out there, uh, schlepping is to make a journey or a journey. Lots of Yiddish words are verbs or nouns, by the way. And kvetching <laughs> is to uh, complain or a complainer, you see, to kvetch or a, or a kvetch that you uh, communicate. Um, so tell us about who you are endorsing tomorrow in for tomorrow's elections. I actually have a list of all the people that you're endorsing. And um, I thought that we could do like a lightning round where I name the person you're endorsing, your organization is endorsing, and then you tell me why you are endorsing them. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Great. You're endorsing Cynthia Nixon for governor because... Her platform takes the best of everything we've fought for. That as Jews and as the Jewish vote, we fought for universal health care, for long-term care, for our older neighbors and comrades. We fought for driver's license for undocumented immigrants. We fought side by side with allies to make sure that our, 
the police and criminal justice stops its racist ways and for fair housing. And Cynthia's fighting for all of that. We're really excited about the, a governor who will not only fight for us, but with us, who wants to take on all these issues, not as like a strong man, but as part of a movement. And that's what we know Cynthia is. Meanwhile, the governor really is looking for excuses while the subway collapses around us. So we think Cynthia is really an incredible opportunity for a change for all of us. And just to clarify, when you say fight with us, you mean fight alongside us, right? Not, not exactly. With. Not, Although there is that whole rabbinical tradition of uh, skepticism, interrogation, arguing, but that's not what you're referring to. Yeah, I'm referring to organizing together and that Cynthia is an activist and an organizer and that that's the approach she's taken to this campaign. And that's the approach that we would expect that she would take as governor. And that's the kind of democracy we want to build. Jumani Williams for lieutenant governor. We've had a really long standing relationship with Jumani, not just in the city council, but on the streets at rallies for over a decade. Every time you turn around, Jumani's definitely <laughs> with us. Um, he's as likely to be uh, sitting down in the street with us as he is to be getting something passed. Uh, we have been worked for many years alongside directly impacted communities all over the city on police reform. And Jumani's really been an incredible incredible leader on that and so many other issues. And we're so excited to have a candidate who's really looking to take a position that mostly no one's ever heard of and turn it into a position that's a people's advocate and an organizer. And I can't think of anybody better to do that than Jumani. Great. You're endorsing Alessandra Biaggi. And Alessandra Biaggi is running for state Senate District 34. Alessandra is taking on the head of the IDC, the Independent Democratic Caucus, which has been handing our state over to the Republicans for seven years. And she has taken on Jeff Klein, who basically made a deal to hand over our state to the Republicans. And now we have Alessandra Biaggi, who's up in the Bronx running on a platform especially important for our constituents around care and around health care. Mm. We've got a, an awesome crew in the Bronx who have been calling themselves Bubbies for Biagi. Nice. Um, because they know that long-term care is a critically important issue and that the New York State of Health Act, which could provide universal health care, could also provide universal long-term care and make New York a real leader. And we know that there's tons of not only Jewish elders, but across the city, older New Yorkers who need to be able to stay in their homes with dignity. And Alessandra has a really powerful story of how care has impacted her family. And we know she's going to fight for that instead of holding it up like Jeff Klein has done for all of these years. Now, tell us about why you're endorsing Robert Jackson. Uh, Robert Jackson is running on the Upper West Side in State Senate District 31. And Robert uh, used to be a city councilman. But one of the things that we find so powerful about Robert is that for decades, he has been fighting for public education, that Robert actually started the campaign for fiscal equity, which was the lawsuit that demanded that New York State provide New York City schools the funding that they deserved, which still to the tune of billions of dollars. It does not. Robert walked to Albany then to win it and has actually done it since. Wait, walked like, like metaphorically or with his feet? No, 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 no metaphor with his feet. How long does that take? 
longer than I could do. And yeah. he's certainly older than I am. Wow. And so Robert has really never compromised on issues, especially of education equity. And so that's one of the key reasons why we're really excited to send him up there. He's also running against an IDC phony Democrat who's been handing over our state to the Republicans. Okay, sounds good. Also in good shape. We need that. Mm-hmm. He'll last. Why are you endorsing Jessica Ramos in state Senate District 13? Jessica is another no IDC champion. and. We're really excited to be working with her in Queens. We have a long history as advocates of working with immigrant communities. And we know that what's been going on in the state is a lot of lip service to opposing ICE, but a lot of holding up on the actual legislation that is needed, including the DREAM Act in New York and driver's licenses for undocumented New Yorkers. And Jessica Ramos is a Colombian-American young feminist leader who is a transit advocate and an education advocate, but also is going to represent a district that is hugely immigrant, one of the most immigrant-heavy districts in the country. And we are really proud to stand beside her as she makes sure that some of those bills get passed. And what about Zelnor Myrie? Zelnor is running in State Senate District 20, also against an IDC Democrat, phony Democrat, And Zellner is really running in a neighborhood where housing is at the top of the agenda, where universal health care is at the top of the agenda, and has pledged to be an advocate in Albany for all of these issues and has run a grassroots campaign that has knocked just so many doors. We were out there with him the day before uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, handing out apples and honey with a caucus with apples and honeys, not Republicans in the New Year as our slogan. And we're really excited to work with him as a agent for a change instead of uh, the guy who's in there now, who's been working with the Republicans to make sure nothing gets done up there. And why are you endorsing Julia Salazar in State Senate District 18? Julia is a young Jewish woman of color who is running against one of the most real estate friendly Democrats in Bushwick and Williamsburg, one of the most rapidly gentrifying neighborhoods. And Julia has been part of our family for a long time, that she is an, has been a policing justice and housing organizer with us. And she's really running an all grassroots campaign to bring the most important issues of that district, which is especially housing, that um, that is an area that's becoming unrecognizable to the people who have lived there um, and is at risk of becoming just purely owned by wealthy developers. And that's what she's going to fight for. She's really faced a lot of of attacks in the way that we know that uh, especially young women running for office often do. And we stand with her and with the kind of change that she wants to bring. And her opponent, who's been a corrupt Democrat for so long, basically gets a free pass as she faces, you know, the scrutiny of her entire personal history. Like right. we know the lawn's history and we know what it does to our neighborhoods and we know the actual path that it has on people. And so, you know, we're really proud to stand with Julia. Although you know that, but the problem is lots of people don't because the media has been so negligent, has been uh, so derelict in reporting on the issues. They're just, you know, reporting on these stories about biography and they have not done their job in terms of talking about how Dillon actually, guess what, is the what second most funded, um, 
He receives more donations from the real estate industry than any other Democratic state senator, except for Jeff Klein, who's barely a Democrat, right? Because he's an IDC guy, uh, Independent Democratic Caucus. Exactly. So question, speaking of Klein, oi, what's happening? You're endorsing, you're endorsing Alessandra Biaggi over Jeff Klein? Absolutely. And he's a Jew, um, and she's not. He- so what's happening? What's happening Jewish, is that uh, voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jewish. Everyone um, before you attack me as a, an anti-Semite. Yeah. What's happening is that we are endorsing on values and that we believe that the things that are most important to Jewish New Yorkers are healthcare, are, are housing, are a subway system that works. And that as Jews, we have an incredibly long history of fighting for real genuine democracy and against the kind of like cynical, corrupting, you know, sellout to corporate interests that Jeff Klein is and represents and that we're not down for people using really kind of shallow markers of identity to say that that's a reason to support you. And we know what Jeff Klein is going to do. He's had plenty of chance. And in fact, teammates uh, deal with the devil, you know, the Senate Republicans that he said was about, you know, making sure that he had more power. And we know what we got from that, which is New York really like lagging behind the other progressive states in terms of our elections and lots of progressive legislations. And that's on him. And the Jewish vote is standing with organizers, with grassroots folks, and very importantly, with lots of allied communities, because we believe that we all get stronger together. Yeah, I mean, one of the themes of, on my show has been the shallow use of identity politics versus actual policy. And of course, I mean, as as people know, you know, Clarence Thomas is African-American. He is not good for African-Americans, just as kind of a shorthand example of that. But it's, it's beyond that, too, because there is a Jewish tradition of tikkun olam, right, which means repair the world in Hebrew. And there's also a Jewish tradition that rejects tribalism and embraces universalism. So that's another reason that it makes sense, right, that you would be voting on values and not just identity. Absolutely. And that's very much that's the tradition that I come from personally. Right. Um, and I think it's a tradition that... Uh, New York politics has really erased. And I think New York politics has often gone to a very sort of stale version of, you know, counting boxes. And some of what's so exciting about this new wave and all of the energy behind all of these candidates is that people are really focused on running on the issues, on running on going direct door to door and grassroots organizing and on tying together the best energy of all of our communities and that that is absolutely the kind of justice we're trying to build and that that's where we are trying to as the Jewish vote are trying to help support and help shift that narrative. So the list of people you're endorsing we can call that the dementias running against the Shandas. <laughs> Right. And that so meant, by the way, people means uh, means human being, but it's used to to, to say good person. And um, yeah. Shonda is a, a shame. So uh, actually, Shonda, I think, uh, and Mensch are are unlike other Yiddish words are not verbs that I know of. <laughs> um, 
we could try to set that up, though. Um, can you talk to us about uh, MailerGate, please? Yeah. So uh, just before the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, which has been the last two days, uh, we found out that a mailer had hit thousands of mostly Jewish homes coming from the New York State Democratic Party filled with false smears of anti-Semitism against Cynthia Nixon. It was a mailer sent to 7,000 Jewish households, mostly Jewish households, as you said, in case you don't have it in front of you. It said, quote, with anti-Semitism and bigotry on the rise, we can't take a chance with inexperienced Cynthia Nixon who won't stand strong for our Jewish communities. And then it says that she is against funding yeshiva, funding, she's against funding for yeshivas and supports BDS, which is Boycott, Divest, Sanction, um, the racist xenophobic campaign to boycott Israel. And the mailer says she's been, quote, silent on the rise of anti-Semitism, end quote. Okay. So uh, this is the biggest Shonda. Yes. Um, and it's the kind of like dirty tricks, old school politics that we know that Cuomo's done in the past. And uh, so this mailer is, wrong for so many right. reasons. I know. It's hard to, to even begin. Right. Um, but the the most central piece of this, other than that the state Democratic Party is sending out mailers, like making really flagrant and inaccurate accusations against a member of its own party, um, is that with anti-Semitism and bigotry on the rise, there is very little more dangerous <laughs> and than this kind of fear-mongering and right. false accusations. Right. But this is outrageous and is also, a, again, the kind of narrowing of who do they think the Jewish community is and what kind of buttons they think that they should push um, that the Jewish vote is really standing strongly against. And that this mailer was sent, it was sent on the eve of the Jewish New Year so that it would land and then folks would mostly go offline and not be able to really respond. Uh, and then even worse, when thanks to the Jewish vote and a number of electeds and others who have really stood strong against this, people started to actually criticize it. And I think the New York Dems and the Cuomo campaign were surprised by how much outcry there's been against what honestly is their type of politics as usual, right. that there's been these kind of weak denials. First, that nobody in the Cuomo campaign had any idea that this was going out, that this was kind of unapproved. Now they're uh, blaming, they're calling it a constituency representative which basically what? means they're saying that somebody's like Jewish liaison is huh. who's responsible okay. for this. And anybody who's been in New York politics or around New York politics, I mean, all of the consultants and the media have all said, there's no way that Cuomo is a known micromanager. Right. Exactly. That yeah. Cuomo runs the New York Democratic Party, that Cuomo's consultants, campaign consultants, overlap with New York Dem consultants, and that mailers don't go out to thousands of people without lots and lots of eyes on it. And lots of people who have to say, yes, this is who we want to be. This is our message. We're in. And there's been nothing but sort of 
vague denials, promises that somebody will be held accountable, but nothing real. And there's a whole lot of real that could happen here. I mean, on some level, the damage is done, which was the point, the calculation that they made. But even, you know, the New York Times, which had issued its own fairly tepid endorsement of Cuomo a couple of days ago, wrote an entire opinion piece of just how outrageous this mailer was and laid out a series of steps of what real accountability would be. And Cuomo's done nine of them. They're not, he's not doing any of them, which is why a whole number of elected officials and others have called for the New York Times to rescind its endorsement of Cuomo. And there was a press conference this morning that electeds, including Brad Lander and State Senator Liz Kruger, City Councilman Mark Levine and Assemblyman Epstein and Hevesy and Abenati uh, were all at. And some of those haven't even endorsed Cynthia Nixon. Right. Yeah, exactly. But they're all clear that this is, uh, to use a good Jewish phrase, totally beyond the pale. Right. And while it's outrageous, it's also very much part of a politics that's about cynicism, that's about reduced expectations, that's about appealing to the most narrow interest. So it's what, you know, I would say disappointed, but not surprised. We wish we could be surprised. I wish. Yeah. Right. Because my organizing history of generations of organizing is about like clear eyed assessment, but also a level of optimism and a belief that we can always change. Um, So. And this is pretty blatant. Yeah. So we're still calling for, you know, people to change and for both the Cuomo campaign and the Democratic Party to do the right thing here. But really for the New York Times, which already had issued an endorsement that was premised on some idea of his potential. I mean, I wish, especially I wish women and people of color and immigrants and other folks got like eight years of like uninterrupted power to prove our potential and then get another chance to prove our potential because boy, that would be, um, that would be different. Uh, you know, their endorsement was all based on these sort of wishful thinkings that he would turn into some other governor. And 24 hours later, he showed very clearly that he's going to be the governor he's always been. Right. Um, and so we're still, you can go to, to jewishvote.org and sign the petition and join us in saying, rescind the endorsement. There's still a few hours left to make the right, <laughs> the oh, right, right statement. When we started the Jewish vote, we knew there was a real reason to create a new force for Jewish political action within New York City. Because as we see with this mailer and with the way that the Cuomo campaign and several of these other campaigns, the Jeff Klein campaign, Simka Felder, the way that the Jewish vote is seen in New York is this monolithic, extremely conservative entity. And we know that that's not true. We know that there's both a long history and a very active present of Jewish New Yorkers who organize with their neighbors, their Muslim neighbors and our immigrant neighbors and Jews of color and progressive and radical Jews and Jews who just need a working subway or universal health care or long term care who have different interests. And that those interests have been ignored in favor of this very cynical craven version of politics that the Cuomo mailer totally epitomizes. This idea that we should just push the buttons of fear 
and of lowered expectations and of smears and of like narrowing the boxes and and the idea that um you know that the top executives and that the top of the party are going to play on on lies and smears in order to promote essentially like a divisive hatred and we know that anti-semitism is a real problem right and, and that there is it. that there are it trivializes it. It makes it seem like it's a thing for just playing with that. That kind of behavior is actively dangerous to Jews in the in the way right. that like we can't play on those sorts of issues because there are real hate crimes at stake. And what this whole election has been about for so many people and what this last couple of years of really focusing on building resistance in the face of Trump in the face of Trump Democrats <laughs> in the face right. of, of rising white nationalism is about creating a politics that doesn't do that and that resists that. And so that's very much why we founded the Jewish vote. Uh, you know, in some ways, when Trump got elected, uh, people started using the phrase, we're ready already. And our months of organizing Jewish voters around the issues that matter around values basically meant that when this mailer hit this week, when the Cuomo folks and the New York State Democratic Party thought they would get away with this and like slip in before everybody went and ate their apples and honey, that there was a group of people ready to say, no, this is unacceptable. This is not our politics. And we have alternatives. Right. And we're going to hold not just the Democratic Party and Cuomo accountable, but New York Times and journalists who are going to say yes to this. And all the folks who are saying yes to a kind of politics that doesn't get us what we need and doesn't protect us and is, you know, actively making life worse for folks. And that we, you know, created this new, the Jewish vote in order to have a way to say we're doing it differently from now on. Right. Also, just uh, not that this is the most important thing, but, uh, you know, Cuomo himself, if you want to talk about treatment of Jews, I just want to say that he did say once at a church, uh, I want you to know as a matter of full disclosure, I'm a Catholic. Catholics basically believe the same teachings that Baptists believe. We just do it without the rhythm, but we try. We are not as without rhythm as some of our Jewish brothers and sisters. So I think we should have a dance off with Cuomo <laughs> because I have a feeling our rhythm is better. I get maybe Cuomo thinks he has Jewish license because as we all know that as a New Yorker, he thinks he's a Jew, he's a woman, he's a Muslim. If he's any of those things and he's kind of self-loathing though. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's like trafficking and bad jokes and lazy stereotypes, you know, and then claiming all sorts of identities yeah. of people who have actual issues at stake and they're issues that he's fundamentally ignoring. Like, I don't really care, want him to talk about, you know, who's got rhythm. I want him to talk about, like, is my subway not going to strand me? Who's got health care? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't realize how much he really dropped the ball on all these executive things he could have done to, like, codify Roe v. Wade. You know, there's a lot of things the governor has the power to do, and uh, he's not done that, which is another Shonda. So, Katie, where can people find out more about the Jewish Vote? We are at uh, jewishvote.org. It's very easy to remember, and uh, all over social media as the Jewish Vote. Um, so you can go to jewishvote.org and still sign the petition um, and still get involved because 
uh, you know, we're really focused on tomorrow because tomorrow is when we have a huge chance to make a real statement in New York, but we're not going away and we'll, we'll be continuing to do this work and to continuing to build this resistance together. Great. Well, thank you so much, Katie Unger. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm really excited to be speaking to two guests. Sam Adler-Bell is a writer and policy associate at the Century Foundation. His work can be found at The Intercept, The Nation, and The New Republic, as well as other places. And Georgia Cromry is currently pursuing a dual graduate degree in computer science and journalism at Columbia, where she's also a member of the Graduate Workers Union and is an active member of the nearby Bronx Upper Manhattan branch of DSA. So, so much to talk about with the elections uh, on Thursday. And I want to talk to you guys first about um, an article that you wrote for Gothamist, and it's called, Is North Brooklyn State Senator Martin Dilan the Real Estate Lobby's Favorite Democrat? So first, I want to know how the idea came to you to write about this. And I ask that because it seems like a no-brainer, but for some reason, there are not a lot of journalists who are writing about Delon's real estate connections. So what's Georgia, you want to talk about the um, data work that you did to begin with? Yeah. So I started with a project for another article um, about Cuomo's real estate donors. And I had been working on that for several months. Um, and decided to use the same methodology to look at Martin Delon's donors. Um, so I started by like, you know, clustering, um, LLCs and then checking their ownership and, and just a really interesting and compelling story came out of that. Um, that he is overwhelmingly funded by the real estate industry. I, I, I have been covering the race. I wrote a piece about Julia Salazar for, um, the intercept. Um, I also covered Delon's last challenger, um, Debbie Medina. Um, and so I knew a little bit about Delon. Um, and, um, yeah, Georgia and I got hooked up, um, to do this piece together. And I, um, you know, I mean, I, I feel like the thing about Martin Delon is that he's been in New York politics for a really long time. Um, and he's, there's been, you know, various moments where he's like, slightly scrutinized people in the tenant activist community definitely know of him as somewhat of a unreliable vote to say the least for pro-tenant legislation. Um, and, um, he's betrayed, um, the tenants, um, organizations a few times. Um, but there hasn't been, there hadn't been all that many like deep dives onto who this guy is and, um, who owns him and, 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 um, you know, if there's any connections, to be found between the donations that he gets and the, the votes that he votes um, in, uh, in the state Senate. So that's what we set out to do. And are there any connections or is he just really, um, is the real estate <laughs> industry just really generous and just wants to give him money <laughs> so he can spend it on his, I don't know, uh, family vacations or something. There are some connections. Georgia, do you want to talk about some of those? Yeah. So, I mean, starting with um, everyone has talked about his 1994 um, vote for vacancy decontrol, and that's been really impactful in the district. But um, but he's also had uh, had chances since then to um, to repeal vacancy decontrol. Um, 
And he he just has really shown himself to not be an advocate for uh, tenants in the district. Yeah. And, and as we wrote about in the piece, vacancy decontrol is the law that um, in effect allows um, landlords to deregulate their apartments over time. And it also incentivizes them to um, harass um, reg- regulated tenants to get them to leave um, so that they can raise the rent and eventually deregulate the apartment. Um, right. And he voted for that when he was on the city council, according to tenant advocates we talked to, he had promised not to vote for it, went against that promise and did. Um, and then there was, there's been a lot of effort to repeal it um, <clears throat> at the state level since um, th- that legislation became the model for the state legislation. Um, and uh, DeLon didn't co-sponsor any of the repeal efforts um, until uh, two years ago or three years ago. Um, including very importantly in 2010 when the state Senate, uh, when the Democrats briefly controlled the state Senate, um, which would w- really would have been the only time, you know, because of the Republicans and the IDC to, um, to pass repeal and DeLon refused to co-sponsor it. And then there was this whole complicated little, little drama where he, um, didn't vote on the package of tenant laws. And in fact, was convinced to take a walk, which means that right. he leaves the chamber and his vote is recorded um, as uh, ab- you know absentee. Um, so that was another situation where he really let down the tenant communities in a really in a really you know palpable way. Um, we also found um, you know it, it's always hard with um, politicians to nail down right you know exactly. actual straight up bribery. Um, right. but there's definitely a lot of times where it looks like that, um, where there's the appearance of it. Um, and bribery um, adjacent at the very least bribery adjacent or yeah, like it smells like bribery, bribery, it talks like bribery, right. but, right. um, like, you know, he's voted for, um, tax abatements for big, um, luxury developments that were constructed, um, uh, by developers who contributed to his campaigns. Um, a lot of people do that, but Martin Delon also has, as we said, taken more money from the real estate industry in the course of his career, um, more money than any um, state legislator, um, Democrat state legislator besides Jeff Klein, who is the head of the IDC, who has basically orchestrated um, the Republican control of the chamber for however many years. Um, so he's like barely so, a Democrat, Jeff Klein. He is, he's nominally he is barely, Democrat. barely, barely. Yeah. Right. And we should say about DeLon is like, he is a Democrat. Like he votes yeah. for most of the right stuff. And, and he, you know, has, he's definitely though. like put, pu- pushed himself towards taking a much harder pro tenant line because he's being challenged uh, by, um, from his left by Julius Salazar and the DSA. Um, so, but for a long, long time in his career, and we didn't even get to talk about this that much in the piece, um, he was basically a puppet for um, the former Democratic Party boss in Brooklyn, Vito Lopez, um, right. who was taken down ultimately in 2012 by um, sexual harassment um, scandal um, that came out um, about him. He, he had sexually harassed a bunch of staffers. Um, and that had probably been going on for a long, long time. He was just very, very powerful. So he was like a Me and Too before it was cool. 
Yeah, he was a Me Too hipster, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. he was he was uh, also just such a kind of like anachronistically corrupt party boss type. Um, he sat on the um, the housing committee and directed contracts to uh, people who um, helped him out and basically played both sides of the game because then he would get. Um, other legislators to direct contracts to his kind of the Ridgewood Bushwick uh, Senior Citizens Council, which was his like nonprofit that did housing development. It was just like this cycle of graft. Um, And DeLon, for most of his career, and DeLon's son, Eric, who's an assemblyman, were just completely funded by Vito and voted however Vito wanted them to. Right. You also talk about how um, he joined a Republican city councilman, Tom Agnibene, uh, or Mm -hmm. Agnibene, in suing uh, the campaign finance board in an unsuccessful effort to overturn New York City's pay-to-play laws, which restrict campaign contributions from developers and others doing business with the city. Um, That surprised me because I thought that was something that would be embarrassing for, for people to vote for. I mean, to be uh, it is, an embarrassing lawsuit to, to, to join, yeah. To be a plaintiff on. It is, um, it was really, this is like Thank a you. big, bigger part of the story than I feel. I, I mean, they completely ignored all of our questions about this lawsuit. Um, the, right. the Dillon camp, they refused to answer any questions about it. Um, but it is, it's totally scandalous, in my opinion. I mean, this is, he was one of the plaintiffs, a named plaintiff in a lawsuit that went on between 2008 and 2016. It wasn't fully resolved until two years ago. And he would continue to be a named plaintiff that whole time, which was litigated um, by Jim Bopp, who was the litigator who um, represented Citizens United and basically orchestrated the um, opening of the free flow of money into our political system and, you know, inaugurated like the plutocracy that we live in now. Um, this, this guy represented um, the lawn, um, and the chief plaintiff in the suit was, um, that guy, Tom Magnabeni, um, who was just a notoriously corrupt Republican city council person who actually went down because of a pay to play scandal. Um, oh. so this is a guy who had been the subject of a scandal for pay to play. Who's making the argument in court along with the lawn that, um, the limits on the amount of money that candidates, um, can take from pe- from businesses that are doing business with the city, um, that those limits are a violation of their free speech rights. Um, oh, right, right. So Citizens United. And we didn't even get, right. I mean, we didn't get a response from DeLon for the question, like, does DeLon still believe that campaign finance limits are, are a free speech violation? Um, does he support Citizens United? If he supports right. the logic of this lawsuit that he was a plaintiff on, um, it means that he supports the logic of Citizens United. Right. Um, Right, yeah, it's a mini me of Citizens United. I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, you missed a really important point I made, which was that uh, it's a mini me of uh, Citizens United. Yeah, well, it's the interesting thing is it's a mini me. It's Jim Bopp at this time. This he had just argued Citizens United at the district level, so this is basically Jim Bopp was like shopping around for a lawsuit that he could get, a suit that he could get into the Supreme Court to overturn, um, you know, to make this argument the law of the land. Um, so this could have been the one. It was just like right. he was trying all over the place. And then, and then the, and the other thing that uh, George and I found was that um, the local counsel for the race, for this um, suit, which is like, you know, the person who kind of facilitates um, 
you know, and is barred in the local area, um, is, was a guy who was just a real estate lawyer. Um, he's at a major real estate firm and he's a guy whose firm has given money to Delon. Um, so one thing we weren't able to completely uncover is exactly who funded this lawsuit. Um, although it was reported in the New York times when it, when it, um, was filed that it was funded by the real estate industry. Um, we don't know how many of the people who have donated to, to Delon's campaigns were also the people who funded this lawsuit, which would have, which he signed on to. Right. Um, uh, and another just dark, so, oh, oh sorry. sorry. Yeah. Keep going. I was just going to say that another like kind of twisted fold of this is that, um, which we also didn't get to talk about in the piece is that Bob made the argument in the suit, not only that it was a violation of, um, the first amendment, but that it was a violation of the 14th amendment, um, guarantee of equal protection on the, on the <laughs> arguing that people of color, candidates of color, um, have a harder time raising money oh from God. inside their districts um, and therefore need to take more money from businesses and developers outside of their districts in order to run. And it creates right. a, like, you know, a, a, an unequal system for people of color candidates. And so the fact that the creative is Puerto Rican, is Hispanic was probably one of the reasons that he was, you know, asked to be on this lawsuit. There were, there was a black um, woman politician also on it. Um, but it's notable that all the other people on this uh, list of plaintiffs were conservatives. They were Republicans. Right. Delon is the only right. Democrat. Right. And of course, we all know that, you know, taking money from um, businesses is, is really empowers the con- the constituents of color. That's it's absurd. Little, uh, yeah, <laughs> comment. yeah, it's super, um, it's super and, weird and dark. And it's really Orwellian. It's like a yeah. neoliberal uh, Orwellian uh, hijacking of identity politics. I wanted to to ask you guys. Have you? I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, there's some breaking news on the Cynthia Nixon Maller. Well, I'm going to read from. I don't like doing this, but is it okay, you guys, if I read from the New York Post for a second? <laughs> no problem. Sure. Okay. Trigger trigger warning to my listeners and my guests. The slimy mailer that sought to link Cynthia Nixon to anti-Semitism was drafted and approved by his closest advisors, including former top aide Larry Schwartz. Sources told the Post Wednesday, the revelations come five days since the mailer, paid by the state Democratic Party, hit 7,000 mailboxes in Jewish neighborhoods. Cuomo has adamantly denied he had anything to do with the smear, but sources said one of his longtime confidants was deeply involved. Quote, Schwartz was very involved with the mailer and signed off on it, a Democratic source said, describing the aide as a henchman and enforcer. And then the source said it obviously blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And some breaking news <laughs> on that. Um, what do you what do you guys think of that story? Georgia, do you have um, any insights into the Cuomo campaign or why he would have to resort to something like that or any predictions about the Cuomo versus Cynthia Nixon um, race? Oh, gosh. Um, what can be said? I know. It's kind of <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. Where to start? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of news going on. I, I have spent so much time looking at um, Cuomo's campaign finances after I wrote about um, his finances earlier this summer um, after finding $13 million in real estate donations over the past 10 years. So um, so I think he's he's having a lot of the same issues that um, that Delon is having as an establishment Democrat who's clearly owned by real estate and he's, right. you know, pulling out some really ugly, ugly punches right. at the last minute right. when there's going to be less scrutiny. Yeah. 
So, right, which yeah. is a yeah. parallel we see in both cases, right? Because both Delon and Cuomo, they are um, they are directly or indirectly, and and often they're doing it through uh, indirectly through various surrogates. But the attacks that they're making on their opponents, Cynthia Nixon and Julia Salazar, are really about character, or they keep saying like. There's this woman, Liz Smith, who is a Cuomo rapid response director and spokeswoman. Mm -hmm. And the night of the debate, she kept tweeting about how Cynthia Nixon's an actress. You'd expect a better performance from an actress. It's Mm -hmm. like such a stale joke, first Mm -hmm. of all. And um, calling her unhinged, which lots of people objected to because it's so such a sexist trope. Um, and then they, they resort to calling, to smearing Cynthia Nixon as an anti-Semite. And with Julia Salazar, they're just talking about her biography and, and finding this story and that story. But what that really allows these incumbents to do, and they're both older men running against Mm -hmm. younger women. I mean, Julia is much younger than Cynthia Nixon, but Cynthia Nixon's still younger than Cuomo. It allows them to totally sidestep the issues. They don't have to talk about the issues at all. Uh, all they have yeah. to talk about is character of their opponents. Do you have any predictions, either of you, about how this is going to turn out? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> predictions are the worst thing. I in, know. Uh, all right. In you want me news to, media, uh, but I will say, I will say <laughs> that I think <laughs> I will say that I'll just, I'll I still I'll just think edit I think it Julia and not or take out a not. Yeah. So yeah, you can say like right. she will not win, and I'll just take out the not. She will not not right. <laughs> yeah. um, Julia and the, the race between Julia Salazar and Delon, I think, will be tight, uh, yeah. no matter what. Um, By the Delon, way, it's going to be less tight thanks to the Katie Halper show bump it got that Julia is going to get. Uh, but m- moving on, sorry. And Zephyr is going to get that too. And Cynthia Nixon, right. if you lose, I just want to say Cynthia, maybe because Should've you didn't on come show. on my show. And yeah. that may be related to why you made that awful choice with putting locks on a cinnamon raisin bagel. If we had done. Oh, the, yeah, that's unforgivable. Yeah. If we had, maybe she if is we had done the smear, not smear segment that I pitched to the campaign, uh, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> and by the way, no joke. I got two separate texts from two Jewish friends, which both said basically, I guess, wow, I guess Cynthia Nixon is an anti-Semite. And then <laughs> to the article about her bagel choice. Yeah. And, and I mean, this, it's pretty insulting. I, what's, what's so incredible about that? Smear, 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 smear is that uh, it's so tangled because you have to then say, oh, it's that Cynthia Nixon does not support um, the boycott divestment sanctions movement. Um, right. You know, she does not. So just to, know, to clarify, part is, of the smear was that she supports BDS, boycott divestment sanctions. Yeah. Against Israel. And what's right. so frustrating about that is that it accepts when you say, no, she doesn't. It accepts know, the like, internal right. logic of the mailer, which is that it would be anti-Semitic to support this. Right you know, civil yes. society led boycott campaign against the occupation. So that's what's made, I have like not really weighed in on this thing right. that much. Um, but, you know, obviously it's disgusting. And like, as a Jew, I feel like I hate that these people, people like Cuomo, but also people on the right who are like so cynically weaponizing are, you know, fears about anti-Semitism right. um, that are like reasonable for some people in certain communities. And when you see actual Nazis walking, walking in the street, marching in the right. street, then that's, it's legitimate. But but they're weaponizing them to like disqualify progressive women right. candidates uh, is just so revolting. It right. makes my blood boil. Also, it's funny. It's like it reminds me a bit of the um, Obama. No, Obama's not a Muslim. 
Like what right. would be wrong with that? God forbid. It's but unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. unfortunately we don't have time to deprogram like people on BDS. Um, <laughs> no. Between like no. when the, when the mailer went out and, um, Definitely and not. the election. But the irony is yeah. I just do want to point out, it wasn't even about BDS. What they, what they smeared her on, what they got her on was signing a letter supporting a uh, boycott that was Jewish led by the way, mm-hmm. against a theater that was opened up in the occupied territories. So, right. It wasn't right. even BDS. But again, as you say, and, you know, not that that would be make her anti-Semitic. And again, I don't want to say this either, but she happens to be uh, raising her kids as Jewish. Yeah. And, and she and her wife huh. belong to yeah. a, a, a synagogue. And again, that again, yeah. totally relevant. I also think, you know, the race between Salazar and DeLon, the thing you were saying about character and character assassination yeah. as, the, as the way to go about this. I mean, I think. Obviously, like, there's been an incredible amount of coverage of Julia's personal history, um, some of it warranted by the fact that she did misrepresent herself um, to the media um, at a few moments, completely unnecessarily. Um, but that kind of launched this completely absurd, you know, there was a 4,000-word piece in New York Magazine that was just just doing these, like, little deep you know, dives on where, where her like ancestry is going back to like the 16th century. And it was just like, Whoa, I mean, this is a, just in terms of proportionality, the fact that, um, Delon's actual record voting record and the people who actually fund his campaigns, um, have not been the subject of this, even anywhere comparable in the same universe level of scrutiny, um, as you know, whether or not, Julius Salazar's father was Jewish, um, is so it's just a, you know, obviously it's a sign of state of our political, um, you know, moment and what, what, what people want to click on online. And, um, I know I don't really begrudge any journalists who covered the Salazar story because it's, it is totally wild. A lot of the little twists and turns of it, um, especially the true stuff. Um, but I do think it's frustrating that getting, you know, a piece that's just a deep look at who a incumbent is and what he represents and what he's done um, to help or hurt his district, um, you know, get gets buried um, amid all the more prurient drama. Right. Yes, I agree. I mean, I understand, as you said, like people are going to be interested in this. The other thing is I have to say that, you know, people are wringing their hands, a lot of people, and they're saying, oh, how can we endorse uh, Julius Salazar? It's going to damage the left. It's going to damage the left. And I have to say that, like, you don't really hear that from the right a lot. Um, No. There's this like Mm -hmm. there's this um, self-fulfilling prophecy, conventional wisdom that, you know, I'm not comparing Julius Salazar at all to Wiener, but people are framing this as a scandal, right? Yeah. And to the extent that it is one, you know, when when David Vitter, the Republican, the senator in Georgia, went to a pro- well, a sex worker, not that he would use that term, but went to yeah. a uh, a sex worker, which is very against his brand of being a right wing Christian. Mm-hmm. The Republicans didn't do anything. When Anthony Wiener, when he was sexting, he got thrown under the bus. So I do think yeah. this is also like an important test of that, of well, how much I mean, we can, the I left can just like I, get behind, Georgia, behind their own, not throw their own under the bus and also focus on the issues. Right. I think mean, Georgia, I don't know where, where you fall on this and 
I don't, I'm not speaking for you, speaking for myself. I think that, um, um, I think that it does appear that Julia Salazar was dishonest about various aspects of her personal history. Um, Mm -hmm. I printed something that we had to correct, um, in the intercept. Um, and I take that really seriously because, you know, it's my credibility, my ability to keep doing the work that I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Delon also lies. He lies all the time. Right. And no, Uh, his flack, his flack lied to us dozens of times. Um, he, you know, says on his website, for example, this is something we point out in the piece. It says on his website that he, you know, supported 421A tax abatements, um, which is like a way to, you know, not pay taxes on luxury development by promising to build affordable housing, um, which often doesn't get built or gets built in the sa- in another district or gets built in the same building, but the rent-regulated tenants have to go through a poor door on the other side. But anyway, he said he supported those 10 years ago, but hasn't, has since, you know, you know, been worried about, you know, the oversight of it and doesn't support them anymore. Um, but it's actually the case that like five years ago, he, he voted for a tax abatement, a 421A tax abatement for two different developers who also donate to his campaigns. So that's right. just a lie. And it's also a lie that has really, really <laughs> like salient, affects serious lives, consequences. Right? And affects the lives of the constituents. Yeah. And so, uh, again, I think that's an extremely important point. And uh, he also says he has a flawless record in terms of uh, tenants issues and housing. And that's, of course, a lie. He says that Julius Salazar lives in luxury housing and he and his lies have been on TV. And again, it's yes, I I think you made a very important point. Breaking news, by the way, there's a story um, at sludge, readsludge.com. That's R-E-A-D-S-L-U-D-G-E. Um, about Delon, it just came out. Mysterious political group linked to New York Senator Martin Martin Delon is funded by big real estate. So check that out. It literally was just published um, on September 12th. And um, thank you again so much for listening to the Katie Halper Show. Thank you to Katie Unger and the Jewish folks.